You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode number two of the Habs Culture podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaja. I'm alongside Justin Schwartz. The Montreal Canadiens are 2-1-1 one, one since our last episode on the West Coast road trip. Um, th- they're struggling a bit, especially last game. But overall, I, I think we're happy with uh, the way they've been playing, right, Justin? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I think uh, there's a few things to note and look at in a positive light. Um, there's a couple games there, especially against Winnipeg and the second game against Vancouver, where we saw a flurry of goals and a complete 60-minute game, which I thought was an improvement and a step in the right direction as of late. Yeah, so that game was the 5-1 victory on Wednesday night in Vancouver, 11 p.m. start. How did you feel about that? Listen, it was tough to stay up, but I think it was uh, worthwhile. Super weird. Like, because they're in Vancouver, that means it started at, at eight. eight. Eight, yeah. Super weird start. And uh, I don't really get it because, you know, you think maybe, okay, seven. So bump it back to 10. But why... Well, yeah, I'm not sure what happens in the broadcasting rules, but 11 p.m. was late. It man. was late. And I feel for the guys who, like, journalists who, like, have to stay up because yeah. it's their job. But, uh, yeah, it And was especially late. the uh, press conference after with Dano where he was talking about monkeys off his back <laughs> at, at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, sorry, 2 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah, yeah. And even Monday, it finished around the same time as Wednesday because they went to shootout. Yeah. And that shootout we'll talk about a bit later because I'm not very happy about it. I don't know about you. I can't say I am, but... Unless you want to talk about it right now. I'm good to go whenever, but maybe let's let's focus on... Uh, let's foc- let, let's shift our attention to... Saturday against yeah, Winnipeg? I'd like to go there. All right, so the Habs won 7-1 against Winnipeg after losing to them in overtime, thanks to Pierre-Luc Dubois. So 7-1. So that game, it was a very good game by the Canadians. I don't think it was their best of the past few. No. But But they were just on it. They were scoring goals, and I think that's what was nice to see, Mm -hmm. right? It's a little bit of a change from, when I say recently, I mean over the past two and a half weeks. Um, We were seeing lower scoring games, not as many. We were having trouble scoring, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I think it was nice to see, first of all, Gallagher get two, both assisted by Dano, which I thought was really nice to see considering the slump he's going through. And then, you know, we saw Armia get one. We saw uh, Petrie get one. Who else did we see? We just saw everyone, you know, break out and score. And I think, I think what happened was that the Habs loosened up their game a little bit. They just played a full 60 minutes. And we haven't seen that much this season. We haven't. And I think that was the first game, either that one or the one against Vancouver, where you really saw Dominique Ducharme's message get across the players you know we talked a lot about Gallagher you know he scored Dano with those nice assists but I want to focus on Tatar if I'm not mistaken he had three assists he did have three assists and I'm pretty sure two of them were power play assists as well but like I'm not really focusing on the stats because look he scored a bit at the start and they were breakaway goals they weren't amazing but he was playing bad hockey in a sense where it didn't look like he was invested you know what I mean Mm -hmm. And and in this game, in the past few games, actually, 
His forecheck has been amazing. Not only his forecheck, right? But I, I also feel like he's actually creating some serious scoring yeah. chances. Like, he's taking quality shots, which I like to see from a guy who has proven to be mm-hmm. a 20, 20, almost 30 goal scorer, right? Yeah, but I think now that's the identity of the Habs, where it's a strong forecheck and they win pucks along the wall. And when they were losing under Claude Julien, like against the Senators, that wasn't happening, right? They, and I think for them to be successful, they have to be aggressive on loose pucks, which I think they are now under Ducharme, and aggressive on the forecheck. And that's one guy, along with Armia, but Armia does it all the time, Tatar, which I'm I'm actually really impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Tatar, Tatar, I've been really impressed as of late. For the, for the past week, he's been playing some really good hockey. Nothing to complain about there. Yeah, so, so now we're talking a bit about the players, and I know it's a bit early, but I'm going to throw out the question of the day. Yeah, go ahead. If you don't mind. Again, those listening, Twitter, Instagram, hit us up. Tweet us at hashtag HabsCulture. Mm-hmm. Hashtags, DM us, whatever you guys want. So here's the question. Who do you think, now that Dominique Ducharme has settled in, has improved the most under his new system? I'll give you three options. Okay. And I, I already have one in my head. I, yeah, I know you do because <laughs> I have one also. But I'll give you three options to make it exciting. So we have Jonathan Drouin. Played with him in junior hockey. Give that a runner-up. Yeah. We have Joel Armia, or Joel Armia. And then we have Jesperi Kotkaniemi, which is the obvious one. Yeah, it's pretty obvious. <laughs> but those three guys, I think, have really shown, have really came out of their shell as of late. And especially Kotkaniemi. I know you want to talk about him because he's been playing amazing. I mean, look, I think, so to answer your question, Kotkaniemi is my answer. I think Jonathan Drouin is a strong runner-up. Mm-hmm. But just to touch on Kakiyemi a little bit, I think the biggest part of his game that has developed in the past two weeks under Ducharme, honestly, has been his confidence. He's a big body who's been using it, and he started to use his shot a little more. And I think he's, you know, he's discovering some abilities that he didn't even know he had himself. So he's had this under the rug, and we just, mm-hmm. we just took it from him. He's figuring out what he can do at the same time as we are. There you go. Right? That, that's what I'm trying to say. And I think, and I think, look, his goal against Vancouver on Wednesday night, on Wednesday night, in the 5-1 win, yeah, the opening Wednesday. goal. Yeah. Beautiful shot from the high slot. Beautiful. Beautiful shot. But see, I think, honestly, and this might, look, it might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think bef- in the Julian era, <laughs> he might not be taking that shot. And I... You guys can come at me all you want. I just honestly think that he has really gained so much confidence in his game. And it's showing. He didn't even take the shot earlier in the game. He was wide open in the high <laughs> he slot. He didn't take the shot. And, and I actually tweeted about it. And I said, he needs to be more confident mm-hmm. shooting that puck. Yeah. And look, he took the shot. and it. In, in yeah, that, he ended he, up taking he it. He ended up taking it, but he was hesitant. Yeah, very hesitant. Then you get... To the goal he scored, the puck lands on his stick. It's right off his stick in the back of the net. Beats Demko right, uh, far right side. So I think that he's a player that needs, like we talked about, to be put in these high danger situations and and feel important as a player on this team Mm -hmm. to to thrive. And as of late, he's been getting bigger minutes with better line mates, and it's showing. And that's where depth comes in. We'll go into that a bit later because I want to stay on Kotkaniemi. But... I think the key word is opportunity. Kirk Muller gave him opportunity in the bubble, and he showed what he could do. Mm-hmm. Like, he showed it. He did. 
he didn't like he played well and we were all excited of what could be it was a flash of the future of what could happen with this kid then the season started and we're like oh here we go he's he's still struggling he still needs to find his groove whatever but now it's consecutive games where this guy's running the power play and it was bothering me that on wednesday night as well as he was playing suzuki's power play was still going on to start mm-hmm. it ended up changing because yeah. it was pretty obvious that it needed to change but this guy's just playing with a level of confidence where i think it's at his highest this season 100 percent. like there's no doubt oh, about yeah. it and i think in his career i think i think this is the highest it's been since the bubble yeah for sure but the good thing about the bubble is that suzuki and kotkaniemi were at a high mm-hmm. now suzuki not so much look i think I don't think it's something to overlook, but I also don't think it's something to dive too deep into. I think Suzuki plays, we talked about this, a great mm-hmm. two-way game. And he, the one, look, he's not producing points on the offensive side, but he's still contributing heavily defensively. So I think that's something to note, right? Because he's not, he's not inexistent. He's still doing half of his job. And I think, I don't, coming into the league, I don't think Suzuki was supposed to be that... 30 40 goal scorer he's just not that guy he's a playmaker he's he's a guy that plays well at both ends of the ice so i think we have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt mm-hmm. give him some time still a young kid and he's gonna find his groove i'm not i'm not look to start the season he had a crazy point streak eight game point streak that's true yeah that's so true. i mean look at the end of the day we know what he can do and players go through small slumps it's i'm not worried he's, he's third in points on the canadians there you go 17 and, points and i think it's going a little bit unnoticed because as of late he hasn't been mm-hmm. playing to the ability that we know he can get to but at the end of the day we know that we we know what kind of player he is and we know what we're getting in him yeah so it's either simply sophomore slump ish you know it's a weird schedule compact back-to-backs or it's just I saw on Twitter, he could have a little injury, which could be, because it's just the little things that are, I'm looking at him and I'm like, you know, usually he's a bit more creative. He's a bit more on offense. You know, there's a bit, a few more I things. I did notice that a little bit for sure. But I don't think it helped that um, Josh Anderson was taken away from him. Yeah. And I mean, look. Which game was it? It was. It was, was it? the Vancouver game. It was the shootout loss. Oh, right? the shootout loss. Yeah. Because then Ducharme put him back. Okay. Oh, the shootout loss to Vancouver. To yeah. Vancouver, yeah. So, so that yeah, I think that's important to note because, look, Drouet, very talented player. He's getting the minutes. He's showing what he can do. Same with Suzuki. Look, a guy like Armia to put him on that line. I get the reasoning. I understand that you want a bigger body. You want a guy that's going to get deep in the mm-hmm. corner and retrieve the pucks. He's just. But too slow. Anderson does that times five. Yeah. Yeah, I just think they built such a good connection. And it's tough because I liked Anderson, Toffoli, and Kotkaniemi, right? I'm sure mm-hmm. Kotkaniemi loved it. But at the same time, I think Ducharme realized he has to spread the wealth of this team. And the fact that that line, the Suzuki line, was just so consistent and so well, you just that's the one line you can't change. And I'm really, really happy he put Gallagher with Kotkaniemi. Because mm-hmm. now you have three lines. Well, yeah, you actually have four. They each know what they're doing out there. Yeah, Dano seems like a new a new player, even yeah. if Gallagher's not next to him. Look, I think I think he's slowly starting to understand his role on this team. Look, he's not the guy that's putting the puck in the pack back at the yeah. net every game, but he is pe- ki- killing penalties. 
well, mm-hmm. and he's playing that third line centerman role well for now. So, listen, there's not much to complain about over the, this past week. I think I like the new combinations. I like Ducharme's system. And I think this actually leads us to talking about, look, we don't want to dive too deep into the lines, but I think it's also important to note the Sherrod injury as well. Yeah, there's the Sherrod injury, and there's... So if you want to talk about a bit about lines, there's the Sherrod injury and there's shootout, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll go into Sherrod a bit. I think, look, it, you never like to see a guy go down with an injury, but this is a chance for some of these defensemen to take the next step. This is opportunity for guys like Romanov and Mete. Look, I, I've said it a, a many times. I like Victor Mete over Brett Kulak. And clearly Luke Richardson doesn't. I just like... Look, Victor Mete gets into the blue line and he just shoots it. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not, the, it's not the most powerful shot. It's not the most accurate shot. But he likes but to join the rush and he likes to get he, a, in offense. He brings the place. puck from our zone to their zone very quick. Kulak does it, but at a slower pace. And I just think to have that guy not play all these games, I don't know. I, he's just He played very well his last game in Toronto and I felt like he wasn't given that chance to do it again. I think it has. I think was, that was his first game under Ducharme. It was, yeah, it was the last game he, he they Against said Calgary. he played was Toronto. Uh, Toronto, but it was like early February. And he played well. I like this game, but again, I don't like him with Romanov, and and last night against Calgary, the defensive pairings weren't even the same. No, they were switching constantly, constantly. So I think it showed, and I think Mark Bergevin. I don't think he's, I don't think he's a dumb guy. I think he he clearly saw what was going on, even though. This team was very fatigued last night. That this defense, it's missing something. Yeah. And look, Sherrod's not the amazing defenseman that got taken out of the lineup. It's not like Jeff Petrie got taken out of the lineup. There you go. But it's a hole that needed to be filled, and it wasn't filled properly. But look, it's only one game that we saw, and it was a very fatigued Montreal Canadiens team. So I don't want to look too much into it. But still, I think there's something missing on that blue line. Yeah, there is. And I think if... The Montreal Canadiens want to make a serious run in the playoffs. They're going to have to add a piece. They have to. Mark Bergevin needs to make the playoffs. Oh, he needs to. If we don't make the playoffs, I think his job is in jeopardy. It is. And I and the sad thing is, he had such a good offseason. He did. But look, I know, we, I think we can both appreciate what Mark Bergevin has mm-hmm. done over the past. Look, he it's it's been a little longer than people expected, but it's finally starting to come to fruition. And I think, but however, I think that this team that he put together, he strongly believes in it. And I think he strongly believes that it can go far. And if we don't make the playoffs at minimum, I I personally don't see how he could be the GM of the Montreal Canadiens next season. Yeah, look, for those listening, some know I'm a huge Marc Bergevin fan. Like, yeah. I really like Marc Bergevin. But now, look, he had a great offseason. This is the first season where it's his team completely. Right. Yeah, because he was working with previous pieces before. Exactly. He was working with a few of those, but now it's completely his roster, and it's his second coach. Michel Therrien wasn't his coach. Yeah, it wasn't. But, yeah, now it's his second coach. So, obviously, if they don't make the playoffs, Jeff Molson, like, he has to make that decision. Yeah. Just for his sake, because people are going to go crazy. But I think Mark Bergevin is all in. He has to be. So, he's going to look on the trade market to see what he can find on the defensive side. Look, we saw David Pagnotta tweet about Matias Acom. 
I think that'd be great. I don't know what other options there are. Mark Bridgman always finds that one guy that no one talks about. Yeah. Right. Like the Joel Edmonds in this offseason. Exactly. No one saw that coming. So who knows what it's going to do. Again, it's tricky with quarantine. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they would do. They're trying to, uh, sorry to cut you off, but they're trying like, to reduce, reduce the 14 day quarantine before the trade deadline so that, like, they're trying to get an exemption essentially so that once players mm-hmm. get traded, whether it be across the border or whether it be between the bubbles within the states, yeah. they want it that it's like you get there, maybe a 24 hour quarantine, get on the ice. Yeah, that'd be amazing because a guy like Ekholm, I saw something. I think it was Panyara actually. On yeah, Twitter. it was on his it was on his uh, blog, I believe, or his uh, the fourth period. Yeah, the fourth period. Right? And uh, they said the comparable for the price would be Jake Muzzin. That's, that's that comparable. seems about fair. I, I, look, I think I'm pretty sure what I heard is that the asking price for Echo might be a first. I I, I would trade first. Yeah, yeah. This trade this draft is a is a mess anyways. Yeah, but I also think even though it is a mess, look, we saw what Tampa did last season and people are giving them heck or giving them a lot of, you know, criticism for trading a first and a prospect for Blake Co- uh for Barkley Goodrow. For Barkley Goodrow. Now, I don't think Barkley Goodrow is the end all be all of of third, fourth line winger, center, whatever whatever it position was an overpayment. he plays. It was an overpayment, but an overpayment that helped them win the cup. It was yeah, it had to be done. That line, the I'm I'm pretty sure it was Yanni Gord, Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman how literally due to their forecheck and defensive play, help them win the cup. So even if even if we go out and overpay for a guy like Ekholm or a, or, a, or a key piece that will actually allow us to make a run and it pays off... You pull the trigger. You, do, you have to pull the trigger. Look, Jake Muzzin was traded for Carl Gunstrom, a first-round pick, and the rights for Sean Dursey. So that's... A, f- a first-round pick, a prospect, and a prospect. Well, the rights to a prospect. I don't think it's going to be that steep of a price for Matthias Ekholm. Mm-hmm. Especially since they're in a fire sale and are, they're trying to get rid of players left and right. I think Nashville. it's a first-round pick and a roster player. Yeah. It has to be Byron, just for salary cap reasons. That would be great for us. I would like that. You're swapping two $3 million players, right? Mm-hmm. And one that's actually going to play in your top four. There you go. Like Byron is on the fourth line. Um... So I think we, we covered that. I don't know about any other defenseman on the market. Not really it, familiar. It's hard to tell. I think we're still a bit early. I think it's still a bit early. Yeah. Um, but now I want to move a bit on to shootout. Because, and look, this has to do with Paul Byron also. Because he, he does well in shootout most of the time. I'm pretty recently. sure he's a little a little less than a 50% shooter in the shootout. On yeah. his career. On his career. It could be. I, I don't know what the number is. I... I from what I heard on the broadcast during that game, sorry, no, it was actually I was listening to the TSN TSN six ninety post game show, mm-hmm. and they were talking about how Tatar is a 30 percent shooter in the shootout. Drouin's a thirty percent shooter in the shootout. Suzuki's around a thirty percent shooter in the shootout, and the one outlier or the highest percent shooter in the shootout for us is Paul Byron at four around forty eight percent. So I don't he know didn't shoot he, right. No, he did not shoot. So it went it went Suzuki. Very nice move. Great save by Demko. Great save. Then you had Drouin fumble the puck too too tight and close. And then, finally, Tatar yeah. threw the legs yeah. when he needed <laughs> to score. Before we get on to Tatar, I just want to talk about Drouin. Yeah. He fumbles that puck 
one out of ten times. Yeah, look, I, I still think it was a great move, and he he, he had he had Demko beat. He had him. He had him beat. I just think also they were talking about it again on TSN six ninety, and this is where it came into play a little bit. And I, I started to think is that apparently throughout the game the ice was terrible. Players were falling left and right, and I'm not making this excuse. Mm-hmm. It's not an excuse. I'm yeah. just saying. And then they went on to say that in the shootout, knowing that the ice conditions aren't great, take a shot. Deking, not that it's not going to work. It's just that you might not want to take that chance. But look what happened. Well, yeah, the puck fumbled on him, right? No, but three Montreal Canadiens oh. deked. Yeah. They went over 3. And three out of three of the Vancouver, Vancouver Canucks. players shot went one for three. Exactly. Look, at and the end of the day, it's still a better shooting percentage than the Habs, so... And they shot... Remember last time they went to shootout with Vancouver? Did we not... I think Suzuki scored. Yeah, Suzuki scored. He had to score. And he scored and he extended it. Mm-hmm. But they just kept shooting on price. No one deked. And then they and they kept scoring. Look. <sighs> goalies are so good in the National Hockey League that you have to beat... You have to make them move at a weird angle. And that's exactly what Bo Horvat and JT Miller do. They go along the boards and they put price. You see that camera angle. You see the open net on the glove side. But the Canadians just go right up the middle. Mm-hmm. Thatcher Demko's a big guy. He's going to cover all that. And you see he's athletic because he robbed Suzuki mm-hmm. with that right pad. But I want to talk about Tatar because it blows my mind. I don't care who you are. You could be Patrick Kane for all you want. If you have to score a goal and your team has been struggling of late... Look, they won 7-1 the previous game, but that was only one win. Mm-hmm. We're not on some seven-game winning streak. They're a fragile team. Tatar hasn't been playing amazing at that point. It was Monday night. And he goes between the legs in the chest of Thatcher Demko. I don't know if he was confused because of the it was the NBA All-Star game, <laughs> but it wasn't the NHL All-Star game. Like, what? Look, if he scores that goal, this is a completely different yeah, conversation, right? Yeah, I know. Right? And, th- and, and honestly, ways. see... And I think that's what we were talking about before before we started recording this, is that, look, it's either... Okay, t- t- to start off, that move is not a high-scoring... It- it's not a high-percentage scoring chance to begin with, right? We both well, know that. I think you have to be going at a fast, fast pace for it to work. You have but to be moving fast because the never, goalie has to slide quick. But he's never proven to do that. Like, he's never... <laughs> It's not like he's made that move and done it, and now we and and now we're like, oh, he's done it before, so why not let him try it again? Look, I just think that, especially, and this is what I think we should leave it on, especially in a in a game where you essentially blew your one nothing lead within the last couple 40, minutes yeah, of the game, forty seconds, yeah, forty seconds of the game, and you're the third shooter, and you need to score to keep this shootout alive. You could take a, you can make, you could take a better shot than that. Yeah, I don't Shoot know. It. It's 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 a little frustrating, especially as a Habs fan who stays up late till about one <laughs> one thirty a.m. to watch that game, and that's how the game ends. Look, especially after honestly a really good game, like a solid game, basically for sixty minutes, right? Between the legs works along the goal line, like Matthew Kachuk does a Matthew lot. Matthew Kachuk does it, and you know Connor McDavid does it because he's going at I don't know how fast he is, and also he's just a different. Breed. Yeah, but when you're going at that speed, right, the goalie slides thinking you're going to your backhand, and next thing you know, it's between his legs, top shelf. Mm-hmm. Tatar was gliding. Yeah. And he didn't come in with any speed. Demko's not going to move. But look, I don't think we should dwell on it too much. At the end of the day, it it is it is a little frustrating. But we followed that game up with a very solid game. Yeah, yeah, 100%. But what bothers me is that now they lost against Calgary last night because of fatigue, which is understandable. They, they were flat-footed, whatever. 
But that Vancouver shootout or 40 seconds left with a one nothing lead, you have to come out with two points in this sort of season. Yeah. Because I'm going to look at the Once the again, standings. we last time we, sorry, last as you're checking that, last time we talked, um, the Habs had dropped six, six over overtime, like past regulation. So six OT or six shootout losses um, and had lost six points. Now we're up to seven points that we have lost due to that. So... Look, it's unacceptable. It's not only unacceptable, but when we're going to get to the end of this 56-game season with the last few games left, and we might or might not be in a tight situation to make the playoffs, I really hope that this doesn't come back and, you know, I don't know. I don't have a good feeling us. about it. Neither do I, because seven points is almost four wins. I'm not... Oh, look, we're not saying they would have won them all. You have to get a few of those. Yeah, you have to. You just have to. And I have that weird feeling that we're going to get towards the end of the season and the media is going to be talking about well what if Tatar didn't go between the legs or what if they were able to finish in overtime what if they were even able to start in overtime you know what if like, Matt Murray didn't flop in his crease you know what I mean look we're yeah, making that excuses. was that was un- no, well look we're making excuses look we're making excuses on the point that if we get to that mm-hmm. point at the end of the season and it's talked about then, then people are going to start to say, what if? But, come on. We're ju- yeah, we're just saying it because those have to be wins. I don't care. Yeah, but it's not that- even an excuse, right? We're, just, we're, giving, we're giving some heavy criticism here yeah. on the points that, look, we're, like you said, we're in a, and I said it too, and this is the last thing I'm going to say. We're in a 56-game season mm-hmm. where every point counts. If you're losing seven points, it almost 100% will come back and bite us. I, I can't see it not. The Jets are in second place with 34 points. The Habs are fourth place with 31 points. There you go. If we take a few of those, we're either tied or ahead. And it sucks because the Jets went to overtime against the Leafs last night. Yeah. That's what sucks. But they're not far off. So that that losing streak that they had was horrible, the Canadians. But they could make up for it. And they need to start getting into a groove where they're winning more games than losing. They can't go into a, a four-game set and go 50-50. Yeah. They have to win a majority because they have to get back. I want They have to finish second or third in this division. As much as I... Sure, let's play, let's play the Leafs. We love Habs Leafs. I don't want to play them in the first round. No, I don't like that either. I don't like, it's not that I don't like our chances. I just think that... Like I'll put, play them in the second round. Go ahead, because the second round's more like you're really in the playoffs. You're you're already, you're already deep. You're really in well, the playoffs. Deep, I mean, well, it's just a different game, yeah, right? It it's is. A, you, you won a round. You're you're excited, whatever. But first round might be a lot like regular season, and that's where the Leafs thrive. Yeah, and it's also it's also where the, I'm not I'm not calling it an upset, but I'm I'm calling it where the most mental mistakes happen. Right? You don't treat it like a playoff game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And I especially agree. with no fans, right? Look, it, it might be a little tough because the atmosphere might be the exa- is go- is going to be essentially the same as these regular regular season games they've been playing. So you're right. We need the, in the first round they need to gain momentum to be able to take on a strong powerhouse Leafs team. I, I don't even want home ice advantage. Yeah, well, the Habs suck at the Bell Center. Hopefully, if we're in the playoffs, we're not wearing those blue jerseys. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be the end cool. of us. But I'd like to see, I'd like to see the Habs. Obviously, the Flames would be a nice matchup in the first round. I don't think the Flames are making the playoffs. I think, in my opinion, 
it's going to go, and this is not really in, I guess it is in order. I'd go Toronto. Mm-hmm. It finishes first. Then I, then I think Edmonton grabs that second spot. You think? I do. I do. I see their stock going a bit lower. Yeah, and, and I don't... Like, I could see where you're coming from. Because now they're all the way... They're, they're high. Like, they're, they're, they are they're high. They're flying right now. Okay, so I think... I don't know. I mean, I look... I Okay, regardless of the order, I still have Toronto there. I have the Habs there. I have um, Winnipeg. And I have Edmonton. I had the Flames... Top three in the division, without a doubt, before the season started. Oh, before the season started, I had the exact... Like, I had a similar... Every season, I feel like it's the same thing with Calgary. Yeah. Well, they're okay in the regular season, and the playoffs, they suck. And now they suck in the regular season. <laughs> Daryl Sutter, I think, is going to change that. That guy's never happy. Never happy. They won yesterday. But he's, he also, just, he's also a very... Like, he's he's a proven coach, which is also important. He's old-fashioned. They were skating laps. Yeah, I saw. Their first practice. Saw that. Whatever. Um... Yeah, I'd like to see Habs Oilers because I think if you if you lock down McDavid and Dreisaitl, well, well, look what we did for two two games already this season. Toronto did it, we did it, yeah. Chicago did it in the bubble. Yeah, actually, McDavid played well in the bubble and they still lost. Look, McDavid and Dreisaitl each have so against the Sens alone, <laughs> Dreisaitl has fifteen points and McDavid has thirteen. I don't know exactly where they sit point totals wise, but I'm pretty sure it's in the thirties. So you're looking at almost half of their points coming against Ottawa. Now, I understand that they're an easier matchup, easier target, but it just goes to show you that, look, it would be, a, I, in my opinion, I think it would be a completely different story if they were playing against, in an 82, right? Against the rest of the league. The Oilers? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Look, look, McDavid and Dreisler are still 100-point getters, and I'm not taking that away from them. Mm-hmm. But when you're playing Ottawa 10 times... Like, look, like, what are you Well, we're expect? playing Ottawa 10 times, and we suck against them. Yeah, but we just have no... Okay, I'm not making an excuse. I think Ottawa's just a different team against the Habs. I think it's a different sort of... They've been, but, they, but they've also... They're also a different team against the Flames, too. They've been playing well. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Canucks, Flames, even the Habs. Well, last week, we could say this. All, those, all three of those teams were a mess. Mm-hmm. Right now, the Habs are getting back into it a bit. And the Flames, I think they will also with the new coaching The Leafs have dropped three of their last four, too. Something to note. It's true. That's very true. Look, they they won last night in overtime, but I mean... It was against the Jets also, and the Jets against... are only at 34, po- uh, 34 points. Yeah. It's very... It's so tight, and anything can change. But still a little... Honestly, there's still a lot of hockey left. There's a lot of hockey left, and I just hope the Habs get into a little, a little bit of a groove here. Mm-hmm. Just a quick note. How is Jim Benning still the GM of Vancouver? It blows my how mind. Is, how is Travis Green still the coach of the Canucks? How has he not been fined? The guy takes off his mask. I know Ducharme does it, but every game he takes off his mask, this guy. <laughs> okay, whatever. We'll switch subjects a bit here. I want to take a, talk a bit about um, talk a bit about the power play of PK. Yeah, I think, I think it's important to note. Um, look, the power play, in my opinion, has looked great as of late. Look, nothing to complain about. And we talked about this last episode. If the power play is clicking, it's going to affect the outcome of the game, mm-hmm. scoreboard-wise. It would and, have last and mom- night. And momentum-wise, right? If, you, if you're scoring goals on the power play, that translates to the rest mm, of the game. 100%. So, so what I'm essentially saying is that, you know, look, I, I want to put a little bit of emphasis on the Kotkaniemi unit. Kotkaniemi, Tatar, Gallagher, Petrie, Perry. Scory Perry. Scory Perry. I do think that that unit has been creating some serious chances. There are so many different weapons on that unit. They all know their roles. They all know their roles. It's that simple. Kakanyemi could either 
shoot or make the crossing pass. Mm-hmm. Petrie knows how to get the puck on net properly. That's what I know. That's why I think he's been so good this season. He takes so it's many quality shots. And then you have Tatar who's making, you know, he's doing his job there. I, I'm not complaining about that. Perry down low knows what he's doing. And, and Gallagher in the high slot slash bumper yeah. position is also doing his job. So I think each player knows their role, like you said. And I think Alex Burroughs is capitalizing on that. 100%. I like it. The PK's finally playing well because they had seven shorthanded goals. So I, was, I was like, oh my God. Seven short on the goals is the best PK we've ever seen. And then they went on a slump. And and to note, Mark, is is that, you know, if your PK is scoring goals for you, that's also massive. That's massive. Mm. Right? That shifts the game. If you're if you're taking away their power another team's power play momentum and swapping that with a shorthanded goal, mm-hmm. that takes away all momentum yeah, the for team the other feels team. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. I Power play, I think there's still the Suzuki one needs to improve just it a does. tad bit. But I think I think the problem with that unit, and correct me if I'm wrong, or if you have a different opinion, or if you guys have a different opinion, tweet at us, DM us. Mm-hmm. But I think I think the reason is because there's so many weapons on that unit that they don't really know where to go. Weber Weber has the big shot. Suzuki's a skilled guy on the half wall. Drouin's a skilled guy on the half wall. Anderson's a force in front of the net. And Toffoli's got that big shot. So I don't think they know... I don't think they have a guy that they want the puck. I don't think they really care who has the puck on their stick. As opposed to the other unit where you see Kakiemi really manning that mm-hmm. unit. He's the lead guy from what I see. Here's my issue. Weber, is he the last man back? Is he the last guy on the blue line? He is. He's the... Uh, like they're, I think they're looking at more of an umbrella setup where yeah. Weber's up top and Drouin and Suzuki are on the half walls there. Because Weber, when he scores, his feet are planted, and he gets that one timer. Yeah, so you need to put him in. We've talked about this, but we, we you yeah. need to put him in that uh, like that Ovechkin spot. That's why I don't get. Petrie can move around and shoot, but Weber's always needed that guy who feeds him the puck, Andre Markov, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's what needs to change a bit. I'm not 100. percent I don't know how they're gonna do it. It's not horrible. Like, Look, it's it's really not bad. They've, yeah, they've been they've been scoring a few goals here and there as of late, like on the power play. So I can't really complain about it. I just think that you see a huge discrepancy between the two units lately. You see the Kakiniemi clearly be, the Kakiniemi unit clearly being the more dominant unit that creates more scoring 100%. chances. So I think I think it I think it's still a one A one B situation, but I would like to see. Look, if they're not going to be scoring goals, the Suzuki unit, I'd still like to see some some better scoring chances. Yeah, for sure. And last thing, we're approaching the end. I just want to talk a bit about Carey Price. Oh, baby. Because look, I again, I have always said, this guy needs white pads. I'm superstitious. He needs white pads. Then he, then he practices in the blue pads. Practices in the <laughs> blue pads. I don't know when he's going to wear them. I don't know how he's going to play in them. But Sean Burke isn't even there yet. Yeah, he's not there yet. I think it's just a new voice he needed. Look, they have this guy from Laval, Marco, and he's... I don't know what he's telling him. It's working. But look, you gave me this exact comparison. Mm-hmm. If you have a teacher for yeah. eight years straight <laughs> who is teaching you the same thing with the same methods, methods, I guarantee you by year seven, year eight, <laughs> you're a little done with that teacher. Once yeah. you get a new teacher who teaches it a different way, you know, you start to... You, you start to adapt and figure things out and I think that's what we've seen in Carey Price lately look over the past four games less than a goal against his goal against average is less than one mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure his save percentage is a 9-6 9-60 I think I saw it yeah wow I mean look that's the Carey Price that we know and we love and 
look, I, I think we've also, I think people might come for us and say, well, look, you bashed him last episode and now, and now you're giving him praise. Oh, we didn't bash him. I We're... think, I think he's just a streaky goalie, like a lot of other goalies, but he's a goalie that when he's on his A game, he's, I think he's back. I don't think he goes back on another streak like that. Look, I don't want to, I don't want to speak too soon, but you can hopefully. tell in a goalie when he's confident just by his gloves. They're, he moves them up more. He wasn't staying in his crease a lot. I, I think Carey Price is back. And I'll look, let you make that comment and we'll watch how it plays yeah, out. Yeah, we'll watch how it plays out. If I, he could prove me wrong, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be really sad. Well, because... I, I, don't, I wouldn't be happy about it. I'm just saying that I think, look, we have a four-game sample size. So I don't think it's... Look, he, he throughout his career he, and throughout specific seasons, he has these little stints where he goes nuclear for X amount of games and then and then Yeah, but it's slumped. been for like a week, right? And then he goes back to to beans. He doesn't have to steal games with this team. That's the thing. It's not like a few years back. He doesn't have to steal games, but also like it's really hard for me to take in that when you're when you're a, a guy who near the beginning of the season was losing games five to four and letting up five goals and now he's playing out of his mind. I we need some we need some consistency. So hopefully going forward we gain that consistency. Yeah, and we'll see how he plays in the blue pads. If he ever wears them. And <laughs> and there's one funny thing that I saw on Twitter and it, it ended up making its way towards Instagram. April seventh, twenty eighteen. The Habs lineup. And oh. it has nothing to do with what we're talking I about. I think I said, we, we, we talked about, we yeah. sent this to each other, right? I just wanted to bring it up because why would you even go watch this team in person? Yeah. It's crazy how there were actually fans in the stands watching this and we were actually rooting yeah. for this team. And and for those now listening, I'm going to read it to you, the lines. So it was Byron Drew and Gallagher as the first line. Poor Jonathan Drew, man. It was was that imagine his first season Byron. as a hab, and he they threw it him at first been. line center. They but imagine having them. Byron on your first line wing. Look, Weber a, was hurt, so once I get to the defenseman, it's gonna make sense. But okay. Weber was hurt. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I saw that too. And the second line, this this like it's crazy. It's nuts. That Galchenyuk, De La Rose, and Lekkonen. Jacob De La Rose. How are we not the worst <laughs> team in the league? Well, they drafted Kotkaniemi third overall. Okay. That year. No, but well, I, after that. Oh, after that. Okay. Because they. Yeah. So we were a bottom three, four. Yeah, I think they had the fourth spot in the lottery, and they moved mm-hmm. up. And then this third line. Wow, what a, what a third line this is. This is a real, is a real Delorier good one. on it? Not even. <laughs> Daniel Carr, Logan Shaw, and Kirby Raquel. Holy. I don't even know if Kirby Raquel still plays hockey. I don't think he does. And the fourth line, then you have Delorier, McCarron, and Fraze. Byron Fraze. Wow, that's nuts, though. But look, I mean. I think we're ending it off on a good note and showing the progression that Bergevin's made as a team. That's what people don't realize. Look, it was he came in in 2012. His first line center was David Dernay. 2018, this was his team. Again, there were injuries and stuff. But man, has he improved this roster yeah. significantly? But that's why I think that I'm not saying it's the last straw. But I think well, I think I think he really needs to to realize what he's gotten to in these past. How long has he been our GM now? Since two thousand twelve, since two thousand twelve, right? Yeah, so, so eleven years. What he's got in this team, too. I think it's his. Hold on. But yeah, I think. It's Wait, why did I say? Why did I say eleven years? No, I think it's been nine seasons. Holy cow! Why did I say uh, my math is off? Nine, nine seasons. So I think he has to realize what he's gone into in these last nine seasons, and and realize that look, it's now or never, because 
there's going to be some cap issues next season, whether it's Dano, Tatar, whatever. He's going to have to make some major decisions. So the team that he has in front of him now, he has to capitalize. Yeah, and I think he will because this guy always loves to make splashes. So we're reaching the end. It's been a fun episode, actually. I like what yeah. we talked about today. So I think, like we always do, well, it's only been one episode, but mm-hmm. we're going to end it up with the bold predictions. But before I do that, I just wanted to thank everyone for the first episode. We received a lot of great comments. We're super, super thankful for those who listened. Yeah, we really appreciate the support. Really had a fun time. Love the support. And we're happy to continue and give you guys Habs content for uh, for the time being. So now, bold prediction. Again, I usually start off with you, and I will. Habs play Calgary on Saturday night. What do you see? Or what do you want to see? I'm going to go with... So we play Calgary. So I'm going to go with... I wonder who starts. It's going to be Price. No, like for Calgary. Oh, oh. Why not Markstrom? I think it could be Markstrom. I hope it's really... Anyway, I, I still think... <laughs> wow, this might be a little bold, but Romanov pots too. Romanov. Romanov pots too. Wow. Okay. Um, two. Gonna, wow. I don't, can't believe I even made that yeah, prediction. But it's yeah. bold. That's the that's the point of the segment. I'm gonna go with. I don't know how bold this is. Or you know what? I'll, I'll make it. It's this one's not that bold. Or you know what? I'll make it even bolder. Actually, you know what? Three power play goals. Three power play goals. I was gonna say two, but it's not that bold. Because you never know what could happen. You never know. But look, so I'm gonna go three. Okay. That's really bold. Do you have a score prediction? Uh, 3-1 Montreal. Okay. I was going to say 4-2. So four we're, two. In the, we're in that same two gold three difference. One. Not an empty netter. Just 3-1. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. I think... Uh, I like it. I, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Again, DM us on Instagram, Twitter, at Habs Culture, at Habs underscore culture, culture. For, for Twitter. And if you guys want to you know, tweet, uh, tweet at us with any hot takes, hashtag Habs Culture. Yeah, 100%. Once again, we thank you for joining us and we'll see you next week. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one.